Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And a good morning at you. It's September 19, a Thursday. And uh, as usual, a plethora. I don't think I've said that in a year or two. A plethora of stories that we can uh, look at. Um, I don't know if uh, major newspapers play follow the leader like uh, you know local media outlets do. Somebody has a story and everybody else then grabs it. But um, I do want to note that uh, the story I shared with you yesterday about uh, this invasion of uh, of Asian bugs that has now hit uh, eastern Pennsylvania and Philadelphia that was a front page story in the Wall Street Journal, an infestation that they're worrying about in regards to agriculture more than anything else, um, was now a pretty sizable story in, uh, in the New York Times today. And uh, essentially the Times story breaks down uh, into uh, suggesting that if you're in Philadelphia, uh, what you see as you walk uh, along the sidewalks of that major city are people um, appearing to dance. <laughs> they're, st they're like stomping, they're, they're stomping their feet, they're making, uh, you know, moves. These bugs, apparently, remind me not to go to Philly anytime soon. Uh, these bugs that are uh, called spotted lanternflies <coughs> are so prolific uh, in Philly in the last few weeks that uh, some people, you know, people who are like freaked out, have a phobia of flying insects, you know, I bet they can't even venture outside because apparently these bugs um, don't act like some bugs do, which is some bugs avoid flying directly into you. These bugs apparently don't. They just like, bam, hit your face. This one guy says, if it would just leap away, like bugs leap, if it would just leap away, people wouldn't mind it as much, but it seems to always be in your mouth. We're trying to get in your mouth. Blah. That's why I say I'm just going to hit Philly tourism. I ain't coming. <coughs> um, <coughs> says uh, even after death, <coughs> these bugs uh, can still creep people out because when you're walking down the sidewalks, their bodies are crunching under your feet. The state has set up a hotline <laughs> number, uh, not necessarily for freaked out people, but but for anybody citing one of these things, especially if it's like around here, because that would be most unpleasant news, uh, is uh, anyway, one eight 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 four bad fly 8884-BAD-FLY, just so you got it. They're about an inch uh, long, 
And um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It says, the bugs can be quite clumsy, flying haphazardly into pedestrians and cars. They have destroyed vineyards in uh, Berks County. Here's a woman who goes to school at Lehigh University in Bethlehem, PA. What I do is zigzag across campus and not, not trying not to interact with them. They jump. They're big. They're scary. It's like all of your worst nightmares coming to fruition. I'm just saying, because odds are in a year or two, <laughs> just like, remember, we first read about the stink bugs, and then, bang, they were here. So, uh, that apparently is something that is very real and happening. As one of our listeners said, she had been in Pennsylvania, I mean, in Philly, in the Philly area, just uh, last what, last weekend, and she said they were everywhere. God. So, not that that's the biggest story. I think the biggest story is Benjamin Netanyahu lost that election. He lost. He might not acknowledge that yet, but he lost the election. And if he were... An honorable man, which he is not, he would concede defeat and step aside. He is not doing that. He is still insisting that he can form a government. By the way, it's unclear whether um, the guy who supposedly edged him out, uh, Benny Gantz, his name, uh, can form a government either. <laughs> this is a problem with a tight election in a... Um, in a totally divided country operating under a parliamentary system with a lot of um, lesser parties needed to form a governing coalition. So what the hell is going to happen? Who knows? Netanyahu is trying desperately to try to get the guy who beat him to form a unity government with him so he could still be in power. Uh, if Benny Gantz does that, I will throw up my hands in uh, in defeat and horror. So we'll see. Um, it is, is still shaking out. Uh, if you start feeling queasy, you are uh, you're paying attention. Yeah, how did how did that uh, war in Iraq go for us? How about let's make war on the country next to them, Iran, which has twice the population and a much larger and sophisticated military. Uh, yeah, let's do that and see how that one works out. It brings us to, and I've heard this quote more than once in the last few days, uh, something that Robert Gates, remember him? It's hard, I know, but I swear he was somebody uh, very recently. <laughs> like uh, somebody high up. Robert Gates, we go through them so fast now, I can't, 
I can't quite place him. He was in, Robert Gates was somewhere in that intelligence uh, area. I can't quite place him in the proper position. Anyway, Robert Gates, oh, he was a defense secretary. That's it. He was defense secretary. Robert Gates once said that um, Saudi Arabia has a plan, and that plan is to fight the Iranians to the last American soldier. That's it. That's it. And 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 we'll we'll recall that the uh president of the United States uh was tweeting out just a day or so ago that he was awaiting sort of orders and instructions from the kingdom that'd be Saudi Arabia of uh when they might want uh some help. The U.S. military is now a, uh, oh, and Trump made a big thing about the Saudis pay cash. They don't ask to use our military and then not pay. And in fact, they pay cash. The president said that. He's impressed by cash payments. Now, all of this suggests that the Saudis may see, and the President of the United States may agree, that the U.S. military can be bought and paid for uh, by another country. Um, I think the word would be mercenary. So Trump is, is turning the U.S. military into mercenaries uh, that work on behalf of this murderous repressive, repulsive nation. And every one of those words I stand by. So, who is this? Christoph. I guess Nicholas Christoph says this uh, today in a column. Yes, Iran is a threat to international security. But so is Saudi Arabia. It is, uh, lest we forget, Saudi Arabia that in the rather recent past kidnapped the prime minister of Lebanon. Do you remember that? He did. I mean, he did. It did. But that was the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, they kidnapped uh, the prime minister of, uh, of a neighboring country. They uh, started a horrific war in Yemen uh, that has created a, a humanitarian crisis of huge proportion, which is not getting covered much at all in American media. It, uh, well, we needn't even get into Khashoggi, right? Uh, uh, Saudi Arabia also, of course, um, murdered and dismembered uh, and a, a resident of the United States and a columnist for the Washington Post. And uh, we did nothing about 
any of this. And now we're talking about sending American men and women potentially to die for this regime? You got to be effing kidding me. I mean, if the crown prince, the bloodthirsty crown prince, who, what did we say the other day, just crucified, beheaded, put heads on spikes. I mean, this is like beyond medieval horror. There's a woman now, uh, a, 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 a human rights uh, Saudi Arabian woman, who's been tortured sexually assaulted, in being held in prison. She's been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, but that's how the Saudis uh, look to her. They told her she, they'd let her out if uh, she denied being uh, tortured. And this amazing woman said, no thank you, I'll stay. These are the people that we're willing to shed American blood for? So, okay, I agree with Pompeo that what Iran did is an act of war. They bombed another country. Well, then let those two countries deal with it. Not our fight. And not our fight, nor... Christoph says, should it be the graveyard of any American soldier? This is a struggle between two awful regimes, both intent on destabilizing the Middle East. Did I say destabilizing the Middle East? I mean, the Middle East has been destabled since uh, since I've been alive, and uh, but so that's happening. Now you got all of that, and the big story is the one we really don't know much about, which has to do with this whistleblower. Somebody who at some risk to themselves, somebody in the intelligence community who was so freaked out by what he either heard or learned, unclear, but it apparently, and this is from reporting from uh, the Washington Post, Post, also confirmed by NBC um, and others now really digging into this story. The complaint is that our president, while speaking on the telephone to an unnamed foreign leader, the number one suspect being Vladimir Putin, of course, that Trump made a promise to that foreign leader that was so astonishing to this person in the intelligence committee that he filed 
a whistleblower complaint. Anybody who does a whistleblower complaint at that level is risking everything. Now, the two big elements here is that you have potentially something done by the President of the United States, something promised, something said, that was so, that so freaked out a person whose entire life has been spent trying to secure America's security, that he went directly to the uh, Inspector General, I believe. I'm trying to get these. Inspector General of, um, of National Security and lodged the complaint. Now, once the Inspector General gets a complaint like this, by the way, this guy's name is Michael Atkinson. He is an appointee of Donald Trump. Michael Atkinson, the Intelligence Committee's Inspector General, gets this whistleblower complaint on his desk. And he freaked out. He said, uh-oh, this is a matter of, quote, urgent concern. This is a Trump appointee, a matter of urgent concern. Now, there are rules, regulations, laws, and the law says that when the inspector general finds a matter of in of urgent concern to the national security that automatically legally the congress of the united states has to be notified it only makes sense we have a government it's made up of three equal branches that are supposed to work in tandem. So the Inspector General obviously alerts the head of National Intelligence, Director of National Intelligence, and says we've got to inform the Congress. And it's the director of national intelligence who never forwarded it. Back to the inspector general who said this is a matter of urgent concern. He is, as I speak, testifying behind closed doors to the House Intelligence Committee. We're not going to find out what is said in there. The director of national intelligence, excuse me, the acting director of national intelligence um, is supposedly supposed to testify in an open session next week. I doubt it. 
What do we know about this White House? It's going to stonewall. Especially since it is clear that what is being the source of alarm here is the president himself. And a promise he made to a foreign leader. Who knows? Putin, <clears throat> Kim Jong-un, one, one of his despotic pals, Prince Mohammed bin Salman. So I'm <coughs> still trying to <coughs> understand this. You have Congress now freaking out and saying that the director, acting director of national intelligence is illegally withholding this whistleblower complaint from the Congress who by law should already have been alerted to it, it having been deemed to be an urgent matter by the inspector general who received the whistleblower report. As we have seen time and time again with this administration, they refuse to acknowledge that Congress even exists. Lewandowski ridiculing them to their face. The Trump administration breaks the laws of our country with such alacrity. It is just mind-blowing and nothing happens. What's supposed to happen, of course, is impeachment. But, you know, guys, even I, we're a year away about from the election. The impeachment process would take longer than that and it wouldn't result in a conviction. And so, I don't know if we are going to be able to survive this year. Because as has been noted, this is a president who has gotten rid of anybody who even raises an eyebrow around him. Milton has sent me something. This is the timeline here. On July 28th, the Director of National Intelligence resigned. He was pushed out. That would be uh, former Congressman Dan Coats. He was actually... Jeez. Uh, he was actually somebody who was serious about doing the job, which, of course, means he would be gone because he didn't understand his job was to kiss Trump's ass and agree with everything he said. So he resigned under pressure because he was freaked out about Russian interference <laughs> in our elections. And that was a no-no with Trump. You're not supposed to talk about that because it made him feel like he didn't really win the election. 
All right. That's July 28th. Coates resigns. July 31st, Trump has a phone call with Putin. One week later, the ambassador to Russia, John Huntsman, resigns. Something's going on here that is forcing people who were trying to serve this administration to say, that's it. I'm out. Okay. So you have John Huntsman, the, the, our ambassador to Russia, which means we don't have an ambassador to Russia now, I bet. Do we? Well, whoever we have is acting. The next day, the deputy director of national intelligence resigns. Who's running our country? Vladimir Putin? August 12th. The whistleblower report. Urgent concern relating to a promise Trump made to a foreign leader. Now, we're, this timeline is making assumptions that all of these leavings and resignings and resignations and are reacting to something that happened in that July 31st phone call. August 12th, the whistleblower report comes out. August 24th, Trump lobbies the G7 to let Russia back in. August 28th, Trump withholds military aid from Ukraine, which would be something that Vladimir Putin would very much appreciate. September 18, that'd be yesterday, the White House states that the president can declassify anything he wants to foreign leaders. As I said, if you're paying attention, it's hard not to suspect the worst. That we really do have, essentially, a Manchurian candidate um, as the President of the United States. Beholden to, blackmailed by, that's what... Vladimir Putin, former KGB operative. Wow. Is our caller still there? No? Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, God. And just two little items. Um, this has been reported in a few places. Some white supremacist website is now actively making a list of all Jews. <laughs> sort of like being on Nixon's enemy list. I hope I'm on it. Although lists like this don't usually end well. 367 channels of Telegram, which is, who the hell knows, an app, um, are gathering names of known Jews anywhere from Jews in government, Jews in media, activists to regular ordinary old Jews who 
who might just be commenting on something somewhere and identifying themselves as, as a Jew. Um, that in for no particular reason. I guess the guy behind that is somebody that the shooter here at Tree of Life uh, actively corresponded with prior to his his murderous rampage. And just this for fun or nightmares. The United States Navy this week acknowledged that three videos that apparently were published by the New York Times depict unidentified flying objects. In a statement, uh, the Navy spokesman said, quote, the Navy considers the phenomena depicted in these videos as unidentified, which means they don't have a clue what they are. The oldest of the three was shot in 2004. The other two were taken in January of 2015. Uh, normally what the military says is they say, ah, it's a drone, ah, it's a balloon, ah, it's this. They didn't this time. They said, yeah, we don't know <laughs> what it is. <laughs> I'm just saying. Or whatever... Hey, God almighty. And then I just want to quickly say something about this uh, little Swede, Greta Thunberg, who took a sailboat over here to talk to the United Nations and to the Congress. She's this 16-year-old kid um, who's a real environmentalist trying desperately to raise alarm, uh, creating a movement of student boycotts, kids walking out of schools. Um Boy, she's a piece of work. She doesn't want the limelight. So she comes here and she keeps stepping back and asking the American young people who have joined her fight, you go, you stand up, this is for you. So she's here to sort of raise their profiles. Uh, she appeared on The, um, on the Daily Show <laughs> And uh, uh, Trevor Noah asked her, geez, I mean, so you crossed in a sailboat. This was obviously a, a way of saying, I'm not going to pollute the environment uh, going to the United States. So it took her God knows how long. She comes in a sailboat, and it was a, actually a, it wasn't a sailboat. I, I was wrong. It was a solar-powered yacht. Um, but it took her two weeks. And he asked her what it was like to finally <clears throat> see land again and to come into New York Harbor. And you know what she said? It was indescribable. The smell. What hit her coming into New York was not, oh, look, there's the Statue of Liberty, or oh, look, there's America, New York City. What hit her was stench from, I guess, our garbage. 
And then when she spoke to um, members of the Senate uh, the other day, they were praising her left and right and center, and she said this to him. Please save us your praise. We don't want it. We're here. No, don't invite us here to tell us how inspiring we are. Do something. Wow. And she also said yesterday to another congressional committee, I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to the scientists. I like this kid. <clears throat> okay, so I think that's it. Um, I see Christopher Ross in, um, here, and we want to bring him in. Chris? He looks like such, he looks like such an old-timey uh, print reporter. It's a riot. He wears a fedora. He's got his back turned. Amy, can you go get him? Can, can at least flag him down. And he's scribbling in it. Oh, God. He's a character. Excuse me while I get in the mic. Um, yeah, again, ending on something a little bit lighter for you. Mr. Rawson, we're on. We're on. Okay. We're on. So no, so you come right here. You got to sit right next to me. Oh, you even give me a microphone. Of course I give you a microphone. How are you going to hear? Now, this will sink. Uh, it'll sink. <laughs> Bring you down to my level. It's a trap. <laughs> Hi, Lynn. Hi. I was looking at you out there, yeah. and you were like scribbling in your reporter no, notebook. No, I was thinking of all the things I have to do. I'm the producer of this I know you are. Show, and, uh, but you looked like, with your fedora, you look like just this classic old-timey... Old timey newspaper old guy. man. No, <laughs> you did. Well, newspaper man. I mean, that's a sad story, isn't it? God almighty. Let's not let's not spend a lot of time on it, but it is one of the subjects no, of this year's off the record show. Right. Yeah. Christopher Rawson is the producer of this marvelous show, Off the Record, which I've been um, mentioning to you and suggesting that you treat yourself uh, to it. Um, Christopher Rawson used to be. I suppose a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's it, it, true. Emeritus this, senior that. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I took a buyout at the Post-Gazetta. For 25 years, I'd been the theater critic there. And uh, they were, you know, slimming down the staff, which means getting rid of the old folks. And uh, I took a buyout at a good time, actually. But I've continued as senior theater critic. So I actually review two or three times a month. Keep on my a, hand in. On it. a contractual kind of Yeah, I get paid account. by the piece, and that's really not so important to me as to help my successor, Sharon Eberson, really cover Pittsburgh theater because the paper has been less interested in arts coverage, but Sharon, bless her, is working night and day to get theater news in the paper, both in the printed version, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, as it's disappearing. Which is down to just three Well, it will days. be, yeah, next week, two weeks from now. Uh, so we talk about that at Off the Record. But Sharon's getting a lot of stuff online. And uh, so I fill in for her on a weekend where there's three or four 
theater openings. I do some of them, you know. And the other job I had for 50 years, if you can believe it, Lynn, but you've been around for 50 years or more. I ha- well, I've been around, <laughs> but not, not here. Well, for 50 quite. years, I was a professor in the English department at Pitt. Um, and uh, I finally, a year ago, uh, retired there. 50 was a nice round number. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I produce this show each year. And this is off the record XIX. Now you're a smart woman, so what's that mean? The XIX would be a 19. Although if you gave me the Super Bowl numbers, I'd have a little more. Trouble well, you know, that. that's funny you say that because the first year we did it, um, which was 2001, actually a month after um, 9/11, when we decided, well, oh, we yeah. need to laugh at something. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we just called it off the record. The second year. <laughs> we thought, oh, well, we need something to distinguish that. And I said, well, we're as important as the Super Bowl, so we'll use Roman numerals. And we've used, which is sort of sac- funny, Roman numeral 2, off the record 2. And we always have a subtitle. This year is Heaven Help Us, uh, which I'll explain in a minute. But uh, so here we are at number 19, and I like to say that uh, although the Super Bowl has a larger number, the difference between off the record and the Super Bowl is that Pittsburgh always has it off the record. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's the funniest line here. I don't know who wrote this, but it said that it says that this is a this is a one night only event that stars professional actors, some rank hams. And a few real people, which yeah. is so true. Well, every, it up. everybody fits in different categories, <laughs> of course. You <laughs> yourself, once. Uh, you acted in it once. And, and I did a pre And you were a pre-buttle. We used to, in the early years, the idea was this was like the old gridiron shows where the media made fun of the politicians and right. then vice versa. But we broadened it out. We, we make fun of, you know, culture generally, news and newsmakers of the previous year. But for some years, we would allow a couple of people who were made fun in, of in the show to come and after the show, continually, continuing on, uh, make fun of the media. But I have to tell you, the show was so good, and the post-buttalist, the rebuttalist, Not were so, so good. limp <laughs> that we decided we put them on beforehand and call it a pre-buttle. And then there was the year Linton Cullen came on oh dear. and talked for 15 minutes before oh. she even got to her script. I exaggerate slightly. I don't have any <laughs> recollection. None yeah. at all. You had we, pitted me against I, Fred Hansberg. I think we had to give you the hook, Lynn. No. I don't <laughs> no, I mean, what you did was great. And I have to say that you and your audience are right in the wheelhouse for Off the Record because although we, our satire tries to cut both ways, the people who write it, who uh, primarily Gary Rothstein, uh, who just actually... Just took a buyout himself. Right, from the Post-Gazette. Yeah. Gary is a, looks like a very calm, even dour individual in person, but he is a hoot on the page. And then the songs, we steal, lyri- we steal melodies from famous songs, and uh, borrow, I should say, and... Uh, People write new lyrics for them, and those are people who work for the Post-Gazette. And some of them are just brilliant. I mean, just brilliant. So let me just say something about this year's plot to quit people's uh, interest, because it's two weeks from uh, 
I, I don't know. It is, yes, two weeks from today. Yes. Well, we, we can't October say this 3. enough. October 3rd. Yeah, the show Thursday, is October at 3rd. 8. You can get your... T- we've got it linked on from our Facebook page. Um, and you can uh, you can eat and mingle uh, prior to the... Right. We have... A, the Biome Theater downtown has this great big lobby. And our beneficiary is the food bank. Right. We raise... Thirty to sixty thousand dollars each year. For what the is food it? The bank. money is is really accumulated to. Yeah, we're what, up around six hundred thousand. In the early years, we didn't do our bookkeeping wasn't as accurate as it might have been. So uh, we also give a little money to the union scholarship funds. It's primarily uh, sponsored by the Newspaper Guild, which is the writers and artists at the Post-Gazette. It's not sponsored by the Post-Gazette, although they usually give us some ad space, but it's the writer, it's the union who works it's at the, the Post-Gazette, which is right. in, comp, you know, in yeah. having a battle with the Post-Gazette over their contract right now. That union, and then SAG-AFTRA, which is TV, radio, and film actors, right. and uh, so the Post-Gazette people and former Post-Gazette people like me primarily write it and uh, and produce it and so on. And the actors, professional actors in town, but as it says there, some celebrities, hams, and real people um, fill in the cast. I, now, I, just speaking of real people, yeah. last year I was dumbfounded when Edgar Snyder yeah. walked <laughs> showed up. Edgar I Snyder. Was, oh, Playing George Wolf, uh, playing I'm, Governor Wolf. Yes. Who he actually looks yes, like. Yes, he does. Yeah. I think Wolf has said something about yeah. looking like Edgar yeah, Snyder. Yeah, so Edgar Snyder was able to point at the audience <laughs> as Governor Wolf and say, We want money from you. <laughs> <laughs> Tax money, of course. So this year's show, um, we imagine a catastrophe, a tsunami. This is sort of based on all the rain earlier in the year. Mount Washington falls on the city. Just about everyone is killed. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah, no, we start in a, a cheery way. Right. And, uh, <laughs> We're all dead. And then uh, a, uh, people who preside over these things have to decide among the newly dead who gets to go to Pittsburgh, heaven, hell, or Kaufman's. Uh, <laughs> Kaufman's is what we call limbo because, of course... <laughs> Kaufman's is there, and it was called Macy's, and what is it now? And I can't. I went by it the other day. I thought, oh, my God. Oh, it's so sad. Oh. So um, we have Fred Rogers presiding over heaven. Under, uh, As well uh, he should. Under, He's not God. There's another person who is God. I'm not going to tell you who, who in Pittsburgh is actually the... the uh, character so, that God has So is Fred assuming. is more like uh, St. Peter. Exactly. He okay. he mans the gate, as it were. And then, but he'd let everybody in. Well, that's the problem, and God <laughs> has to... No, you have put your finger on a plot point. Oh, God. God has to stiffen his background. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, and then, in fact, God decides to bring in a woman to help Fred because it's been run by men for too long. Hey! Yeah. All right. So... Um, and then uh, Hell is run by Henry Clay Frick uh, because Hell is based at the Clareton Coke Works, which is closest <laughs> we can get to a vision of Hell, you know, all the flames. And, and they're uh, boy- poisoning us. It's why yeah. I'm like this all the <laughs> And then um, uh, the Kaufman's Limbo, sort of the sorting area, yeah, who is that? run by Elsie Hillman and Sophie Masloff. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and so people go through that, and 
the plot narrows down. <clears throat> the, a plot in an off-the-record show is just an excuse <laughs> to have the songs, right. the songs and scenes on anything you want. Right, I mean, we have right. a Josh Bell scene. We have a, you know, etc. Et um, you go with the flow. Right. So yeah. it narrows down in the end to three prime villains. Will they avoid the Clareton Coke works? Well, I sure as hell hope not. <laughs> well, that's... Because can I... I well, one yeah. of them damn well better be. Who? Jeffrey Rolfe. You got it. That's one All of the three. All right! Can you... Burn them! Uh, okay, can you uh, make a guess? Uh, we should have uh, gotten you in on the story conferences earlier. Who would early the on. other... Okay, just three. Who the other... Yeah, the just three. Horrible. And we are not... I have to say, although it's off the record, and we can be edgy, and the satire can, you know, can actually cut, but there are some things we wouldn't touch. We've never touched the clerical... Um, abuse of minors, you know, the sex abuse among the church. We're not saying anything about Tree of Life. I mean, there are some things that are really you beyond satiric commentary. Yeah. Um, however, there are villains <laughs> available to us. I'm trying to, to think. Well, one what? of us is very close to home for those of us at the Post-Gazette. It is uh, Mr. Block, J.R. Oh! Block. The, uh, I love it. The, the publisher, publisher of their employ, the, well, their employer. And then the other one. <coughs> I uh, don't suppose he'll be in the audience. Well, uh, friends of his will be. I'm sure he'll hear about it. He's come once or twice over the years. And I will say that the Post Gazette is uh, is helpful to us. It gives us ad space, you know, et cetera. Uh, and uh, you know, David Shribman, I mean, always enjoyed it. Um, late, he believed, late of the paper. But the let, let me editor. tell you. Let me tell you that. Our beneficiary is the food bank, and the actors all act for free, and they do it as because they're, they're giving back to the community. They're helping to raise money, uh, and a lot of a lot of uh, sponsors come on and give a thousand or two thousand dollars. But for my mind, we don't really do it to raise money for the food bank. That's the excuse. What do we do it for? We do it because it's healthy to laugh at Pittsburgh. <laughs> We don't want other people to do it. No. 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 But we want to do it. <coughs> so the third villain is, I think, will be a popular villain. I'm getting so angry at him. Who right it? across the river, he has a great big facility there that we paid for. Bob Nutting. Oh, Nutting. Yeah. The owner of the Pirates. Yeah, the owner right. of the Pirates. Right. So, oh, um, he's easy. They are characters yeah. in our show, as are Mayor Peduto and... Uh, Chelsea Wagner and a whole bunch of oh, other Chelsea, people. Oh, Chelsea, you doing the the uh, we, Michigan? We uh, have a Detroit. reference. Yes, <laughs> we have we have a scene that kind of spins <laughs> off <clears throat> the Michigan thing, and <laughs> the, the cops come and <laughs> want to arrest her. And, yeah, I don't want to give away too much of no, the show. But it's so good for the odd for you guys to know how you because your news junkies would so love this show if you have never treated yourself and there are tickets as low as well the tickets the tickets are started eighty dollars because we are raising money for the food yeah, bank. 80 I, 50 and 30 and um, i have to tell you the 30 dollar tickets aren't very good i mean they're way up in the balcony yeah at the uh, biome i mean you're there you can hear you can see <laughs> but <clears throat> i would if you're, you wouldn't want those well i wouldn't uh, but I'm used to sitting in good seats because I'm yeah, a theater I am too. critic. Yeah, I am too. Um, I so have to say, by the way, so you buy tickets through the Cultural Trust because the Byam Theater is a Cultural Trust theater, 
and um, their phone number four five six 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 and and the cultural trust website i just want to say tickets are selling pretty well uh, i have about 250 tickets on my dining room table right now because i'm the producer and i've got pulled those out of the pile for the patrons and the sponsors and so on over the next few days i allocate those oh. and, and what do i do you feel like god uh, I feel like a drudge, actually. <laughs> but uh, and I keep back a few, and you know, and and for the cast members to get tickets for their friends and so on. But usually, about this weekend, I put forty or fifty good tickets back. And I was looking at, I mean, back into the pile at uh, to, for oh, sale for, for sale because I've taken out more than I need. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know that yet, but. Um, I say that because if you go on the trust website and you look at that seating map at the biome, you'll see that the really good tickets are pretty look well. like they're all gone. Yeah, but some of them are going to go back. So if you if you're interested in a ticket and you buy your ticket that way, you go and look at the website, uh, and you don't see something you're used to a really good ticket, a really good eighty dollar ticket. They should wait for you. A try back in a few days because okay, you never know. Throw them more back in. more tickets may appear. See, people, you know, this is something that pisses me off. No. No, there's something (laughs) that pisses you off. Oh, tell us, Lynn. Theatrical events. Say, yeah, a show is coming. So you go online, and the the seats are gone within two seconds. Yeah. Are you talking about the big Broadway tours? Like Uh, those. I don't even bother. Yeah. See, um, it is true. More and more, well, this is really another conversation. All right. But it, but it really I mean, you should have me out. on sometime okay, we'll talk just to about talk that. about Pittsburgh theater and the economics of Pittsburgh theater oh, and let's. how the and the ver- the ra- the range of theaters we have in town. I mean, we're really fortunate. I went to something totally different last what? night. What? The Magic. Oh yeah, yeah. I just I, heard about it. Yeah. It <clears> was. You were amazed. I was amazed. Just like, you know, you walk out like, how the hell? Lynn is now making a face that that betokens amazement, (laughs) if you can imagine. (laughs) That's right. Oh, you know what we haven't mentioned that I always think is the greatest thing of the night? Ken Rice. Yeah. Yeah, everybody, uh, listen, folks out there, if you are used to seeing Ken Rice as an anchorman on TV uh, with his uni eyebrow, but his uh, very kind of straightforward reporting the news uh, demeanor, he lets loose it off the record. He loves, he's our MC and he starts the night, and for the month beforehand, he's trying jokes out on all his friends uh, because he can let his hair down as it were, because it's off the record. The show is never reviewed. Uh, uh, Every mayor since um, Murphy has been on the show one way or another, and some of them, uh, Ravenstall dropped the F-bomb a few times. uh, (laughs) But you can do that because it's not, I mean, it's public. It's it's public, but it's a special occasion. Exactly right. But Ken Rice, you know... We did and he, it. he is, he's, a, he's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. We let him, we say, Ken, no more, more than 10 minutes. And he usually gives us about eight. And then um, 
Our pre-buttalists this year are two. Oh. Steve Blass is going to come on. And Pirate, former. He, and he and is, he is, he is funny. A, he is very funny. And he, he called me and he said, am, am I allowed to say this? Would you censor me if I said that? I <laughs> said, no, no Steve, censors. you could do what you want because it's off the, the record. record. And the, um, the second pre-buttalist <coughs> is actually going to be a short thing. We're honoring Richard Rao who is this magnificent philanthropist of Pittsburgh theater who actually has the Rao name on seven or eight theaters around town. He's given so much money. So we're going to, but we're going to honor him in the off-the-record way, which is a mixture of affection and irony. And skewering. Yeah. Right. Well, he's he's open to skewering. Absolutely. Richard's a very <clears throat> funny guy. Yeah. He's a professional curmudgeon. Yes. Uh, he will enjoy... Uh, the things we will say about him. And then Ooh. it is on to the show. The show itself is about an hour and a quarter long. So the whole evening is maybe an hour and three quarters, something like that. And as you say, it starts in the lobby. We open the lobby at 6.30, and there's food. There's food, and there's bars. There's bars. You have to pay for the <coughs> drinks, but the food is free. And uh, it's it turns out to be a really good party. It, uh, does. it gets very full by 7.30 when we open the door to the theater. And people stream in, um, and uh, I say that a you know cash bar uh, allowing people to have a couple of drinks in them makes the show a much better show. I absolutely <laughs> concur. I mean, I yeah, yeah I. I oil up a little bit before. No, the it's show. not necessary. And the show is funny whether or not you've had a couple of drinks. That is true. That um, is true. Um, you have, and other people have said. Gary has said. Rotstein writes this that he always hears me laughing louder than anybody well, else. What a surprise, Lynn. I mean, it's <laughs> not like you don't have a distinctive laugh. <laughs> oh my God. Well, you know what I love about the response? Um, because it's a generally hip audience, yeah. people who know something about the news. It's really a mixed audience of news junkies, political junkies. We always get a lot of people from Grant Street because they like to see how much fun we're making of the mayor or city Or council. they, you know, and I get they, I bet they, they're miffed if they don't get Yeah, skewered, it's sort of an honor know? to yeah, be there. But you also get theater fans. and So it's a real mix. So when there's a joke on stage, you'll hear... Part of the audience right, gets it. That's true. And, and, or there's one joke that only one person laughs at. Uh, so it's a wonderful mix mm -hmm. of response. So this one sounds like, this sounds like a good one. Heaven, I don't know how he Heaven comes up help with. us. Heaven help us. Which and God really knows that's the exactly, truth. Exactly. And although we cannot solve Pittsburgh's problems in Off the Record, we can allow us to laugh at ourselves and uh, put a little money in the food bank's pocket. You know, I've seen some of you have come up and introduced yourself to me over the years because you see me hanging in the lobby. And I sure hope uh, more of you will will do that because I sure as heck will, will be there. I, I have not missed a one. Gosh, that's great. That's great. Good for you. I don't know how many people are in that. Uh, highly, not, highly desirable category. Not a one, and I'll be there for twenty. You're going to have to really. Well, we are. We have committed 20. to twenty years. I don't know if, how long we can keep it going. I cannot tell you how much energy it takes. And well, I want to point that out too because the few, one time I was somewhat in it with a very minor role, I there are rehearsals and rehearsals, and you 
all the people there put in so much effort and time. And then it's gone. And then it's poof. It's like theater. Gone. <laughs> and I, it just seems like, oh, no. But that makes it more, more precious, really. The fact that there it is, and you were part of it, and you shared with that audience. And it is, I have to say, a loving and forgiving audience. Because in spite of all those rehearsals, there were always glitches. Sometimes oh, they're, yes. they're <laughs> funnier than the script. You well, know. that's true, too. <laughs> anyway, I sure hope we've sold you. Because, well, because who doesn't have a good time there? Right. It's just wonderful. That's and right. Unless, unless you course. happen to be somebody who's really skewered, and then you have to put on a bold face and say, I... Lovely to be here with all of you for the good of the food bank. There you go. <laughs> Christopher Ross and ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Lynn Cullen. Oh, it's thank you for all the work you do for this. That's fun. Uh, it's fun. I think you said drudge a little while ago. Oh, that was something that, else. I that was, was about your dining room table. Yeah. I don't know. Something ticket like al- that. Ticket <laughs> allocation. Yeah, right. Well, okay. So that. that's it, guys. Hey, I just want to point out we're going to end a few minutes early because I've got a i got to race out of here myself. And um, so you'll know my sister, Susan, who's always on the show on Tuesdays, will be here in Poison next Tuesday. So right here where Rawson's sitting. And even my mom we might talk into coming, too. She's 97, but like me, wow. she's got a lot to say. We could all aspire. Yeah, we could. <laughs> anyway, you guys enjoy yourselves. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.